Welcome to the Retire While You Work podcast here in Nashville, Tennessee. We believe the concept of retirement in this country is fundamentally broken. We work ourselves to death and we miss out on so many of life's precious moments. I'm David Adams. I'm Carson Odom. I'm Miles Zuger. And together, as a team of certified financial planner professionals and CPAs, we're committed to helping free others from this antiquated mindset, using our three-bucket approach to managing money and finding creative ways to live now and retire while you work. Join us as we discuss a variety of financial topics and ways to help us change the way we think about time and money and which one of these is the true currency. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Um, I'm David, and I have a question for you today to open up our webinar. So would you like to know what causes 80% of most diseases? Anybody know the answer? I realize I'm talking to myself, but uh, all right, the answer is inflammation. And today that's going to be our one of our main topics. And we have back our special speaker, nutritionist, Michelle Norris, who's back again by popular demand from many of you have been a part of the last few webinars we've had with her. We've gotten some great information from her. I look forward to today. Um, and the reason we do this is we care about each of you much more than just money. And as financial advisors, we want to really extend our role into helping out your household and providing you with information that we've um, been able to receive by hearing great speakers across the country that we've had a chance to screen and really um, kind of scrub this information and say, this would be really good for our clients to hear and we wanna provide this to you. So that's the, the purpose of these things. Um, and also I wanna reiterate that our gift to you, both are for me and Chris and Tim's team, is that we've, uh, we have Michelle provided and available to you if you have questions um, personally that you wanna um, meet with her, you just let us know. So reach out to each of our teams if you'd like to schedule a private consult. Uh, with Michelle, that's our gift to you um, and, our, and from our team. So there's also going to be a Q&A today at the bottom of your screen. So just click the uh, Q&A button. We'll do our best to answer that during the session or certainly at the end. Um, Tim, you want to say a few words? Yeah, no, David, it, just reiterating a little bit for maybe for folks that haven't been in there and why are these financial advisors giving help, you know, providing health webinars? You know, we just as the three of us, all, all of our teams, so David and his team, Chris and his team, our team, we, we really work hard to guide clients through their financial lives. Um, but a, a really important goal that aligns with that is that we all share is living a, a vital, healthy life. And if we don't have that, then what, does, what difference does the money make, right? And so this is our effort. We, and we send out lots of financial information talking about the markets and things like that. But we think that this is a good effort to, to try and help our clients lead a, a healthy, balanced life. And so I'm just super psyched to hear what Michelle has to say. Um, you know, inflammation has got to be one of the more exciting topics that we've, we've ever covered here. And so, but I know it's so important and keeping stress down. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear what Michelle has to say. So Michelle, I think now, you take it away, and then we'll be around to help with question and answer. Just awesome. real quick, uh, oh. 
Chris is, uh, I think he's going to be joining, uh, joining us late, but he wanted to make sure he had a contribution today to today's opening. So he left us with this joke. He sent me a text message. If two vegetarians get into an argument, is it still called a beef? That's <laughs> that is, that's Chris for you. There you go. All right. Bad joke. Uh, David <laughs> and Jim, thank you so much and thank you so much for having me back I appreciate it before I share my screen and throw my slides up um, I just want to remind you guys of my personal story I have told this to you before if you have heard me speak um, and quickly I'm the director of corporate wellness at SweatNet here in Charlotte uh, that essentially means I go into companies and try and work with the employees to make them healthier we do custom wellness programs uh, and I love my job. I'm super passionate about it. I also do individual nutrition coaching and a functional medicine practice, um, helping work with folks who have maybe been disappointed by the traditional healthcare model and are seeking an alternative way to find health. And so I love what I do because it comes from such a personal place that I've experienced firsthand, and especially when it comes to inflammation. And so that's my story. When I was 15, 18, and 20, I herniated a disc in my back. I was a diver, springboard and platform diver. Uh, for those of you who maybe have uh, had a belly flop once in your life, you understand that water is not very forgiving. And so I hit the water wrong. And my third time when I did that, when I was 20, I was diving in college at UNC Chapel Hill. I herniated that disc for the third time. The sports med staff said, you, you got to hang it up. And so that was a pretty tough day in my life. I, that wasn't everything to me. I was Michelle, I'm a diver, Michelle, I'm a diver at Carolina. And I had all the things that filled my time between study hall and weights and training and travel stripped from me overnight. So I needed to find a way to fill my time before I got in trouble. And I also needed to heal my back. So I had this super holistic strength and conditioning coach that said, Hey, uh, I know all the regular doctors are telling you, you need to go under the knife or you need to lay in bed for six months. And I know you don't want to do either one of those. So give me a shot. Let me help you. And so what he did is he pulled all the inflammatory foods out of my diet. He gave me an anti-inflammatory diet, which we're going to talk about today. He pumped me full of all these anti-inflammatory foods, supplements. He did some contrast baths, so hot and cold. We did deep water running. We went to this chiropractor and did soft tissue work. But essentially, he worked to get the inflammation out of my back. And it took about six months before I was almost 100% better. And then fast forward to today, uh, like you guys maybe know already, my husband owns a CrossFit gym and I do CrossFit five days a week and feel amazing. I have no back issues whatsoever. I've continued with that style of eating. And even if I go off course a little bit, I know my body knows it. I'll go drink a beer. I'm uh, currently growing a baby, so I'm not drinking right now. Um, but if I were to go drink a beer, my knees hurt the next day. And it's because of the inflammation that comes with the gluten that my body doesn't love. Some of us are more gluten tolerant compared to others. Uh, if I eat a ton of sugar, I have this like major brain fog and it's because of the inflammation that's going on. And so when we're eating a standard American diet, we're creating this chronic inflammation systemically. And that, that leads to, as David said, 80% of disease, 80% of disease, which is so crazy. So now I'm gonna share my screen and we're gonna jump into this presentation. Here we go. All right, hopefully you guys can see that. If you cannot, someone shout at me. Again, I am the Director of Corporate Wellness at SweatNet and the owner of Field for Life, which is my functional medicine nutrition coaching business, which I absolutely love. I work with people that have chronic inflammatory diseases arthritis, um, even neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. 
Um, we work with folks like that. We do ulcerative colitis. We do Crohn's disease. Um, I have a young lady who's 18 that was just diagnosed with MS. But all ultimately, the root cause of so many of these things is inflammation. So this is what I talk about with my clients all day long. All right, I want to start with this quote. I think it's super pow powerful by Dr. Mark Hyman. He's the head of strategy and innovation at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. He is a brilliant human being. He has a podcast called The Doctor's Pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, and he talks all about inflammation, talks about how food is medicine. If you guys are a podcast people, I highly recommend his podcast. He, he has helped me so much on my journey, but also talks not just to healthcare professionals, but he's talking to the um, individual who's just trying to do a little bit better with their lifestyle habits. So he said, food has the power to heal us. It's the most potent tool we have to help prevent and treat many of our chronic diseases. And so that's what we're here to talk about today is the power of food. And that was essentially our first presentation as well as talking about the power of the fork. So food has incredible powers to do terrible things to our body or incredible powers to do amazing things to our body. So we're going to learn today what those choices are and how we can make sure that we're making the right choices 80 to 90% of the time. That way, the 10 to 20% of the time, we're off the wagon, we're on vacation, whatever it is, the 80 to 90% of the time that we're on the wagon, that will cover us. That will help us out. Um, and I had a pediatrician who's a mentor of mine. He's an integrative pediatrician. He looked me in the eyes a couple of years ago because I was on this. It's a dark rabbit hole. Sometimes when you are listening to all these podcasts and reading, you just think, well, I can never drink a beer again. I can never have a piece of cheese again. I can never have a grain of sugar ever again, or my body's just going to die. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. That's not what I'm saying. And I needed this mentor to look me in the eyes and say, Michelle, if you do the right things 80 to 90% of the time, that will cover you on the 20% of the time that you want to go live it up. It's okay. Your body is incredible. It's powerful. It has the ability to heal itself as long as we're not destructing it 80 to 90% of the time. And we're focusing on healing majority of the time, and then we can play 10 to 20% of the time. So before I get into it, I want you guys to hear me loud and clear. I'm not telling you, you can never have fun again. You can never have a donut again. That's not what I'm saying. But as long as we're making the right choices, the majority of the time, we will be just fine. All right. So let's talk about inflammation. What is inflammation? Many of us know it as I sprain my ankle, my ankle swells up, it gets red, and that's inflammation going right to the joint. And that's actually a really good thing. So it refers to your body's process of fighting against things that harm it. Infections, if you cut your finger and it turns red and maybe it swells a little bit, um, that's inflammation going, it's blood rushing to that cut to try and heal it. Injury, so again, a sprained ankle or like me, my herniated disc in my back. Um, toxins, if we have toxin exposures, which we all do all the time, our environment unfortunately is filled with toxins. Another thing that you can get on this dark rabbit hole about and then you start freaking out, uh, please don't go down that rabbit hole. And again, trust that your body's incredible and you do have the ability to detox your own systems as long as you're taking good care of it majority of the time. But in an attempt to heal itself, that's essentially what inflammation is trying to do. Um, when something damages your cells, your body releases chemicals that trigger a response from your immune system. Okay, so that's what inflammation is. Most of the time, what inflammation is trying to do is heal you. But when we get into trouble is with chronic systemic inflammation. Okay, so this happens when your immune system shifts out of balance, creating a chronic smoldering fire inside your body that contributes to disease and unfortunately weight gain. 
So again, Chris gave away my little uh, statistic here, but chronic inflammation is responsible for 80% of disease. And these include a number of diseases which are so common within our society. We've got heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia, obesity, arthritis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, just to name a few. So as a reminder, heart disease is actually the number one killer in the United States caused by inflammation, which is preventable. So we've talked about epigenetics on previous seminars, but just to reiterate, because it is so important, epigenetics is the study of looking at your genes and realizing that just because you might have been given the disease, uh, sorry, the gene for heart disease, that does not mean you have to have heart disease. So Duke here in North Carolina has been studying this for the last 20 years. They started in 2000 and it's incredible research. And what they're figuring out is that just because your great grandma and your grandma and your mom all had heart disease, that doesn't mean you have to have heart disease. A lot of times that's people's, I don't want to say excuse, but that's there. They just feel like there's nothing they can do about it. And that's so not true. Hear me when I say your lifestyle choices and what you decide to do to manage your stress and your nutrition and your exercise, they can control whether or not that gene is turned on or left off your whole life. So think about that heart disease gene like a, like a light switch. If you eat a good anti-inflammatory diet like we're going to talk about, if you exercise, you go for a walk three to four times a week, you maybe include some meditation or some journaling into your life, that light switch can stay turned off forever and you will never get heart disease. Now, if the opposite, if you're doing the opposite, you're not taking good care of yourself, you're not exercising and you're not managing your stress, sure enough, that light switch will get turned on and you will be diagnosed with heart disease. And so same is true with so many of these other uh, diseases caused by inflammation on this list, okay? Very, very preventable in so many cases. And that's what we're going to learn about today. How do we prevent this chronic inflammation? All right, causes of chronic inflammation. The number one thing, unfortunately, because it's so many of our favorites, is sugar, Sugar is incredibly inflammatory within the body. The average American is consuming 90 grams of added sugar on a daily basis. Compare that to what the World Health Organization recommends, which is just 25 grams. And so sugar is in everything. I was looking at one of those all-star packets of tuna the other day, and that, there was sugar in there, added sugar. And an all-star packet of tuna that's supposed to be just protein and super healthy for you. So that was really disappointing, but that just goes to show you, we have to pay attention to how much added sugar we're consuming because it's snuck into things we don't even realize. One serving of Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce, 16 grams of sugar. One serving of ketchup, four grams of sugar. If you're like me, I always eat two servings. So that's my eight grams of sugar. You can spend that 25 however you want, but just make sure we're doing the best that we can to stay underneath that 25 grams of sugar. Inflammatory oils. These are huge. They're everywhere these days and we don't realize it. So back when the low fat diet was a thing and we thought that fat made us fat and fat led to high cholesterol and heart disease, we started pulling out the more natural fats and we were making these oils in, in factories. They're pulling out, excuse me, the natural oils and putting in um, natural or unnatural oils made in factories like soybean oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, corn oil, thinking those were healthier. And what we figured out is that they are leading to things like chronic inflammation and heart disease. Okay, so the average American is now consuming 10% of their calories from soybean oil. 
If we were all in a room together right now, I would ask you, raise your hand if you have soybean oil in your pantry. And I bet probably not one of you would raise your hand. So you're saying, how in the world am I getting 10% of my calories from soybean oil? I've never even heard of it, or I don't have it in my pantry. Where am I getting it? Well, it's because our restaurants are cooking with it. It's a really cheap oil, stable at high temperatures. And we're actually, as Americans, spending more money out at restaurants than we are in the grocery store. And that's the first time in, in history that we're doing it. We're spending more money out than we are cooking in our own kitchens. And so because we eat out so much, we're getting a lot of this soybean oil, which is leading to this chronic inflammation. So one tip I'll tell you is cook in your own kitchen as much as you can. I understand that we have go, go, go lives and we're you know trying to get the kids from here, there and everywhere. And uh, we pack our days so full. And so it's so easy just to call in, order food, call Uber Eats and have it delivered right to your door. Do the best you can. And I think your financial advisor might advise you of the same thing from a monetary standpoint to do um, the majority of your cooking in your own kitchen if you can. We've got food sensitivities, so we're going to talk a lot more about this. This is essentially um, foods that are causing inflammation on the inside of your body that you might not realize. It's called an IgG response, and you can't really figure it out unless you do a blood test. It's different than an allergy, but for whatever reason, these foods are not reacting well on the inside and leading to some of that chronic inflammation, and we have to give our body a break from them to help decrease some of that inflammation and heal the gut. We'll get there. Lack of exercise leads to chronic inflammation. There's, uh, if you guys have not watched the nine minute YouTube video called 23 and a half hours, I would absolutely recommend it. It talks all about what walking for 30 minutes, three times a week will do what it will prevent, the way it can make you feel. That's why it's called 23 and a half hours because it's saying take 30 minutes of your 24 hours that you get in a day and spend it. You don't have to go do CrossFit. You don't have to go do F45. You don't have to go to cycle bar. Just go for a walk and just what that can do for you, including decreased chronic inflammation and prevent some of these diseases. I was actually... Um, my grandpa, God bless his soul, he gets all this junk mail and some of it's not junk mail. And then he puts initials on it for who in the family he might think will want to uh, enjoy it. And so the Harvard Health, like nutrition, Harvard Health always comes and he puts my name on it, he gives it to me. And um, I like looking through it and seeing what a little bit more of a mainstream uh, media source is saying about nutrition. And what the last one said was that it was on the cover, it was like, um, open up to see what's just as effective as Advil and Tylenol in joint pain and helping with joint pain. And so I was like, oh, this will be interesting. I wonder what they said. And you know what they said? Walking. Walking is just as effective. This is the Harvard Health Journal um, said walking is just as effective as a lever Tylenol when it comes to relieving joint pain. So for so many folks, I know that seems backwards because it hurts your knees to get up and walk. But if we do it on a consistent basis, we're strengthening our muscles, we're giving those joints that maybe just sit all day long and your muscles are starting to unfortunately deteriorate. So it gives those joints a break because we're actually giving more room to the joint when we're stronger and we're moving them around versus they're just getting stuck right there when we just sit. So it might be a little bit painful at the beginning, but I encourage you to get out of that chair and go do it. And then we've got chronic stress. Chronic stress for sure leads to chronic inflammation. And we'll talk about ways that we can um, deal with our chronic stress. Maybe not so much in this presentation, but another time. All right, how to fight 
inflammation. We've got foods to avoid. And again, this is not 100% of the time, but this is that 80 to 90% of the time we need to be making sure that we're not consuming these foods because they are the culprits of that chronic inflammation. Cereal, and this is pretty much every cereal, even the Kashi cereal, your wheats, sweeties, your raisin bran, which has 16 grams of sugar in it, by the way, and butylated hydroxytoluene, which is a preservative, which is illegal in many countries. Uh, side note on a couple of those. But we want to try and find better breakfast foods, right? And if you need a list of better breakfast foods, please, please, please reach out to me. I'm happy to, to share those with you. Baked goods, these are going to have a lot of sugar, typically vegetable oil. If you are a baker and you want some healthy baked good recipes that avoid these inflammatory oils and have less sugar, please again, reach out to me. Crackers, cookies, chips, here are those oils, those inflammatory oils that we want to do our best to avoid. Common places you will find them are processed goods. So like chips, crackers, um, this is like Hidden Valley Ranch, so a salad dressing. The majority of salad dressings on the shelf, their primary ingredients are soybean and or canola oil. So you can see Hidden Valley Ranch, which is a staple in so many American homes, the first ingredient is that super inflammatory oil. All right, so we want to do our best to avoid those. If you were at home, and again, you're a baker, a really easy substitute for vegetable oil, which is in a lot of baked goods, is avocado oil. So avocados, which are in season right now, we want to try to try to incorporate those into our diet. Um, avocado oil is a one-for-one one substitute. So if it calls for a quarter cup of vegetable oil, just do avocado oil and you won't even be able to taste the difference. Cow's milk. So for about 70% of the population, dairy is actually incredibly inflammatory. So we want to do our best. If you know that you're at risk for one of those inflammatory diseases we talked about, if you're suffering from one of those inflammatory diseases that we talked about, it might be worth it to remove, unfortunately, dairy, All right? And if I recommend to people do it for two weeks, if you feel no different, then you're probably somebody that tolerates dairy well, but two weeks is enough to know whether or not you're someone who tolerates it. If you, if you don't tolerate it well, you'll feel so much better in two weeks. Soft drinks due to the sugar and the dye, sweet tea due to the sugar, and then those fried foods. I have yet to go to a restaurant where a fried food is not fried in one of those inflammatory oils. I hope that we are progressing there as a country and we'll start to incorporate some, you know, foods fried in avocado oil. I do um, like chicken nuggets. So it's chicken breaded in, you do it in egg and then almond flour and coconut flour and then I'll fry it in a frying pan on the stove in avocado oil. And it's just as good as a bag of frozen chicken nuggets. And I bet your kids would love it just as much. So if you want that recipe, let me know. Foods to consume. So I know I just took a lot of foods away from you, but here are some foods that we want to try to incorporate into our diet that help with fighting inflammation. The number one thing being dark green leafy vegetables. So that would be spinach, kale, collards. All right, so whether that's having a salad a few days a week or I put spinach and arugula in my eggs every morning. Uh, if you wanna do a smoothie because you really don't like spinach or kale, that's a great way to sneak it in and then you won't taste it. If you want some other sneaky recipes where you bake spinach into brownies for your kids, please reach out to me, I'm happy to share with you. But those are three really great foods to help fight inflammation. Turmeric and ginger. All right, so you can cook with these. You can drink ginger tea, turmeric tea. If you wanna take a supplement, we'll get to the slide on supplements, but they have ginger and or turmeric supplements if you don't really like those flavors. You've got tomatoes, another great, um, so it could be even in the form of tomato sauce, if you like tomato sauce. 
Um, that's a, a great way to fight inflammation. Olive oil, raw nuts. And I want to emphasize the raw piece here. If you're buying the salted nuts, what they use to get the salt to stick is typically canola oil, peanut oil, or soybean oil. So that's why I encourage you go down the baking aisle and buy the raw nuts. If you like them salted, you can put some avocado oil on there, salt them, and then bake them in the oven and you can roast them yourself with the salt. Fatty fish, salmon, mackerel, tuna, sardines, all great sources. I encourage you to get wild caught when you can. Fruits. So we've got some in-season fruits. Uh, pretty much all of these are in season right now. We've got strawberries, blueberries, apples, all in season. I would highly encourage you to try and get two servings of fruit in per day. If you are on a weight loss journey, I would encourage you not to do any more than that, actually. So I have people that come to me all the time, Michelle, I'm eating a whole foods diet. I'm not losing any weight. I don't know what the issue is. We do a two day food log, they turn it in and they're eating five, six, seven, eight servings of fruit a day. And the sugar, unfortunately, even though it's natural sugar, it can hold you back from losing weight and it can actually contribute to inflammation if we're overdoing it. So the fruits, we want to keep it to two servings per day. And then when we are um, choosing fruits, we want to think about maybe some, some fruits that are going to fight that inflammation. So again, the berries, cherries, apples, oranges. All right. Really encourage you to do that. If you do a fruit salad, maybe with strawberries, blueberries, and apples, do a big bowl of that at the beginning of the week. And then you can pick on it all week. That's a, we do that in our house and I love it. Okay, let's talk about this food sensitivity test. This is something we do in our practice all the time. It's a quick uh, finger prick and we take the blood, we basically finger paint with somebody's blood, we send it off and we use biotech, but there's tons of companies out there that'll do it. Everly Well is another great one. And essentially what they do is they run the blood up against, for this test, it's 144 different foods. And they're looking for what foods cause that IgG response, which is essentially a sign of inflammation within the body. Okay, so from a zero to four, zero being, yeah, it doesn't really do much damage on the inside to a four being like, whoa, 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 this food is causing havoc on the inside and we gotta do our best um, to avoid it for a while and give the body a break. All right, so when I see these, when I get these back, this doesn't mean like this, this person's, they're, they're struggling, right? This isn't, a, this isn't a very good one right here, uh, just to give you an idea. But essentially, the foods that are like a two or a three, we need to have that person take a break from those foods. They're leading to that chronic inflammation on the inside. And a lot of times it's foods they don't even know. They, they don't even recognize that cause them trouble. I see um, garlic is a really common one, flax seeds, just things you would never expect, things that are whole real foods that to any normal person, I would encourage them to eat. But for whatever reason, your gut can get disrupted from if you were on a ton of antibiotics as a child, um, or even just any time in your life, if you ate a standard American diet for a long time, if you love things with artificial sweeteners, artificial sweeteners like sucralose, saccharin, aspartame are toxic to your gut. So they can cause these little holes in your small intestine which essentially cause leaky gut. And so that's how we end up with a food sensitivity test that might look like this. And so that causes systemic inflammation because your immune system, 80% of your immune system is located just on the other side of your small intestine. And so say you get those little holes in your small intestine, you're trying to digest your asparagus, 
You've got partially digested asparagus leaking through those holes and they, it goes right into your immune system. And your immune system recognizes that asparagus as a foreign invader. And so your body starts attacking itself. It's causing that systemic inflammation because it's like this asparagus is not supposed to be here or whatever this is. It seems like a foreign invader. So let's attack it and it, and it goes to war inside your body, which causes that inflammation. So we have to heal those junctures in your small intestine so that the only thing that's being pulled out of your small intestine is what your body wants to absorb, not what is getting, trying to get forced to absorb leaking through those, those holes in your small intestine. So if you are someone that suffers from weight gain and you've tried it all and you are not losing weight, if you are someone who's chronically fatigued, or maybe you've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, brain fog, IBS, which is like a catch-all irritable bowel syndrome for you have GI distress, but the doctors don't know what it is, mood swings or problems, sinus congestion consistently, joint pain, acne, eczema, keratosis polaris, all of those are signs of leaky gut. So you might want to consider either ordering the Everly Well test online or seeking a local functional medicine practitioner or integrated medicine practitioner that can do this test on you because this can answer so many questions as to why you're suffering with these symptoms, but essentially they're all symptoms of chronic inflammation. And so the good news is that you just have to remove these foods for a bit. You take some supplements, let's heal those junctures up, and then we can go back to eating whatever we want within reason, right? It's not like, okay, this person can never have uh, whey protein ever again, or can never have chicken eggs ever again. We just have to remove them for a bit, and then we slowly add them back in after we've taken a break. I know we're getting some questions on that, but I think we're going to do all questions at the end, so bear with me. All right, so if you don't want to spend, it's like um, our test, the bio test is $219. I think the uh, Everly Well test that you can order online is $159 and they do 96 foods. So if you don't want to spend the money, that's totally fine. I understand, but there are some common sensitivities that seem to show up on almost all the tests. And if you want to just avoid the food sensitivity test and kind of do a mini test on yourself, you can remove the common sensitivities, all right? These common foods that are causing the systemic inflammation with the leaky gut. We've got gluten. So uh, I know for, for many of us, we kind of like roll our eyes at the gluten-free craze, but gluten is for many of us very inflammatory. And I know bread has been a part of human history for a long time, but we really messed up when we started genetically modifying the wheat. Okay, so I think we've talked about crop rotation. I'm not going to go into that today. If you're interested in it, I'm happy to share. But essentially with the genetically modified wheat that we have, we've added gluten proteins to the wheat, which make our gluten content in our breads higher and pastas and grains, uh, cookies, crackers, chips, that kind of thing. So we've got more gluten, which is uh, making a lot of us gluten sensitive and causing that inflammation. So if we want to try and avoid gluten, we, we avoid bread, pasta, crackers, baked goods, essentially anything with wheat, barley, or rye. And because so many people are gluten-free, there are a ton of gluten-free products out there. I'll encourage you that just because it's gluten-free, that doesn't mean that it's healthy. So do your research on it. Reach out to me. I'm happy to guide you through a gluten-free lifestyle if you want to try it for a month or so. Dairy, like I said, we've got 70% of the population that really can't tolerate dairy. Uh, and so I would recommend avoiding that if you're someone suffering from any of these things we've talked about. Eggs, my favorite food pretty much. Uh, this would be really hard for me, but I did do it. I did remove eggs for eight weeks um, just to see if I was going to feel any better. 
And that's a really, really common one I see on a food sensitivity test. So that's eggs baked into anything as well as like scrambled eggs you eat for breakfast. Almonds are really common one that uh, linked to inflammation, unfortunately. And then soy, this is processed soy. So this is not going to a restaurant and ordering edamame. This is like soy protein isolate found in something like Cliff Bars or some of the other protein powders out there. Um, there's soy lecithin, which is added to things as a emulsifier. So that's one that we want to avoid. Soy also mimics estrogen. And so it's, it's called a phytoestrogen. Us females, we have enough estrogen. Men, you don't need any more estrogen, right? We have a problem with our estrogen balance actually getting out of whack throughout society. We've got um, infertility on the rise, unfortunately. And some people will say it's linked back to increased soy consumption or those phytoestrogens being exposed to those. So think about that. If you want to have a personal conversation with me again, you guys have the ability to reach out to me and ask me your personal wellness questions. I would love to hear from you. All right, let's talk about the keto diet. So this is another way that we can fight inflammation. You've probably heard about the ketogenic diet. It's on the front of many tabloids these days. You probably had a friend that lost some weight doing the keto diet. Uh, you probably have some people that you've heard like, oh, the keto diet is horrible. It's going to raise your cholesterol. It's certainly not for everyone. Um, but essentially what you do is you retrain your body to use healthy fats as your primary source of fuel. So that means 70 to 75% of your calories are going to come from healthy fat sources. So again, those in-season avocados, nuts, a dark um, leafy greens, you're going to get uh, olive oil, avocado oil. You're going to use things like olives, uh, red meat, grass-fed ground beef, chicken thighs, the fattier cuts of meat, 75% of your calories come from that, 5 to 10% from carbs, and about 20% from protein. All right, so when we're not giving our body the carbs that it's used to eating, our body goes, oh my gosh, I have to find energy from somewhere. And so you retrain your body to build essentially more mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell where we get our energy to use fat as your primary source of fuel. So unless anybody on this webinar is currently doing the ketogenic diet, if we all walked out the door right now to go for a 30 minute run, we're all gonna burn carbs first, okay? And we're gonna burn carbs until we're out of carb stores and then we're gonna tap into our fat, all right? If someone was doing the ketogenic diet, they would get up out of their chair, walk out the door and start burning fat immediately. They just retrain the body to use fat as your primary source of fuel. Um, and what's so great about it is that we're forcing ourselves to eliminate processed carbs and sugars from our diet, which essentially dramatically decrease the inflammation. All right. And there are really bad ways to do a ketogenic diet. You see my little note at the bottom of the slide. Um, you can do a ketogenic diet in a very inflammatory way. And I have people come to me all the time saying, I'm doing a keto diet. We again, do that two day food log. And they tell me they're eating pork rinds and cheese and bunless burgers from McDonald's. And they don't know why they're not feeling better. All those foods are causing major systemic inflammation because they're full of those processed oils. They're getting really processed meat from McDonald's. Cheese maybe is not settling with them very well. They've got the almonds coated in canola oil. And that is not how we reduce inflammation, nor would I ever recommend a ketogenic diet be done that way. Instead, look at this sample day. This is what I recommend if you're trying to do the keto diet. And again, if this is something you want to do, please reach out to me. I'm happy to answer your personal questions. Talk to your doctor or healthcare professional. Make sure it's right for you. But uh, breakfast, egg scramble with spinach, sausage, and goat cheese. 
lunch, a grass-fed ground beef burger with no bun, topped with half an avocado, broccoli, and roasted in avocado oil. So you're getting healthy fats from that grass-fed ground beef, from the avocado, and then from the avocado oil on the broccoli. Snack, macadamia nuts, and Applegate pepperonis. If you are a bacon or pepperoni fan, I really recommend the Applegate brand. There's no nitrates or nitrites in it. So technically a processed meat uh, has those. So it's a much healthier version of a processed meat. Um, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be considered a processed meat and there's no added sugar in many of their, their types. And then dinner, we've got bacon wrapped chicken thighs and roasted asparagus. So getting that fat from the bacon, the chicken thighs, and then your roasted asparagus would be roasted in something like an avocado or coconut oil. So getting healthy fat there. So all of those foods really low as far as inflammation, many of them actually fighting that inflammation, getting lots of fat, which is actually our brain's preferred source of fuel. We have to be pretty strict about this if we're gonna do the ketogenic, ketogenic diet because we have to teach our body what we're asking it to do. If you do this for one day and then you fall off the wagon and you try and get back on, then you fall off again, then um, your body gets confused. You can act, that can actually lead to weight gain. So if we're gonna do it, we gotta really commit to it for a certain period of time. Again, happy to answer more personal questions on that um, at a later time if you guys have this. All right, another way that we can fight inflammation is actually through fasting. There's three different types of fasting. Essentially what fasting is, is the practice of abstaining from consuming any calories for an extended period of time. We've got intermittent fasting, which is the most popular. You probably have a friend or, or two, or maybe yourself has tried this, but essentially we're not eating for 12 plus hours on a daily basis. We've got long-term fasting, which is fasting for 24 plus hours. And then the fasting mimicking diet, which there's a lot of research coming out about this. It's kind of like um, calorie cycling, but essentially you eat 25% of your normal calorie intake for three plus days. And that can be in a row and you could do that quarterly, or you could do it where you eat 25% of your normal. So what that means is say you eat 2000 calories a day, you do that on Monday, Tuesday, you're only going to eat 25% of those 2,000 calories. Wednesday, back to 2,000. Thursday, 25%. Friday, back to 2,000. Saturday, 25%. And they've done studies on people doing that for eight weeks in a row. And it actually helps reduce um, triglycerides and can help improve your insulin sensitivity. So if you are someone that's pre-diabetic um, or if you're someone with high triglycerides, then this might be something right for you. If you're just looking to give your body a break from digestion, maybe every quarter and help with cellular autophagy, which we'll talk about um, in just a second, then this might be something you do four times a year where you eat 25% of your normal calorie intake for three or four days. Just help give your body a rest. Digestion takes a lot of energy. Okay, so when we're constantly sending energy to our digestive tract, we're not allowing the body any excess energy to help heal itself, to work on that chronic inflammation, to look for things that not, don't look quite right. So fasting for 24 hours or eating 25% of your calorie intake on a fasting mimicking diet can be really beneficial for that. Um, one of those things is called cellular autophagy. So when we're not sending any energy towards our digestive tract, because we're not digesting food, because we're not eating, or we're not eating very much, then the body has this surplus of energy. And what it does with that, it, it does like spring cleaning. It does a scan of the whole body looking for things that don't look quite right. And it uses that energy to repair. It uses that energy for cellular apoptosis, which means cell death. So if you have a cell, misshaped cell that doesn't look quite right, then the body is going to go ahead and take care of it. 
And what that essentially does is like, think about cancer. Cancer starts with one misshaped cell that multiplies and multiplies and multiplies until you have a mass, sometimes the size of a baseball or bigger. And so if you could have caught that misshapen cell before it became a baseball, think about what you saved your body from. That's why fasting is super powerful. But from an inflammation standpoint, fasting reduces the release of pro-inflammatory cells called monocytes. Okay, so you're going to release less of those when you're doing fasting or a fasting mimicking diet or intermittent fasting. And then while you're actually not eating, so while you're fasting, the monocytes that you already have in your body, they go into what they call a sleep mode and they become less inflammatory compared to those who are eating three meals and two snacks a day. So that's why fasting can be really powerful when it comes to fighting inflammation. There's a lot of benefits to fasting. This is one, cellular autophagy is one, and also we force the body to tap into our fat stores. So when we run through all the food that we've eaten 12 hours ago, 18 hours ago, 24 hours ago, then our bodies, we still need to make energy, right? We got to get up. We got to do our life. We got to think. And so our body taps into our natural fat stores. And so if you're someone on a weight loss journey, this can be really beneficial to you as well. Happy to answer personal questions on that. Just don't make a broken record. All right. So a couple supplements to fight inflammation. Um, and, and again, please, please, please talk to your doctor before you incorporate these and the brand matters. Don't go to Walmart and buy the first fish oil you see. All right. There is no governing body that's looking out for these supplements and testing them and making sure they have in them what they say they have in them. So we've got to find a good trusted third party batch tested brand so that we know that we're getting what we think that we're getting fish oil when i was fighting my back injury i was taking nine fish oil pills a day three with breakfast three with lunch three with dinner so this really worked for me it was a substitute they told me that um, i should just take advil for the rest of my life or ibuprofen i was like i'm 20 years old i'm not taking ibuprofen for the rest of my life and so i actually didn't take any ibuprofen i only took fish oil um, CoQ10 is another really great one to help fight chronic inflammation. Curcumin, that's a component in turmeric. That is one that's great as well for inflammation. And if you don't like turmeric, I really don't like turmeric. I'll drink it in tea, but um, I'll take a curcumin supplement all day long over trying to cook with turmeric. Uh, ALA, awful lipoic acid, it's okay for, um, for some. I would really talk to your doctor before you just start buying everything on this list. Uh, a couple that are super safe for, for nearly everybody would be ginger root. You can take it as a supplement or put it in a smoothie. And spirulina, that's actually an algae. It's a one you can mix in a smoothie. You can mix in water. They have some really great organic brands, even just on Amazon. Most of the time, you have to be really careful with the supplements you buy on Amazon. But that's one that I would really recommend to nearly everyone try and incorporate on a weekly basis into your routine. Talk to your doctor first, of course. I'm not a doctor. All right. Some supplements to help you. And then let's look at a day, an example, anti-inflammatory day. If we're really trying to adopt this lifestyle, let's look at some a practical example of what this looks like. So for breakfast, we're going to have some eggs scrambled with avocado, spinach, and, almond, and apple with almond butter. 
And then for lunch, we're gonna have a kale salad. So again, that kale helping fight that inflammation with wild caught salmon, another great anti-inflammatory food, olive oil, another anti-inflammatory food. And um, if you're looking for a really good salad dressing, I always recommend the Primal Kitchen brand. If you don't wanna make your own or if you don't like olive oil and balsamic vinegar, uh, check out that Primal Kitchen brand. All of their salad dressings are made with avocado oil. So one of those anti-inflammatory oils. Snack, we're gonna have macadamia nuts, super high in fat, really great for the brain. And then dinner, grilled chicken, a medium sweet potato and roasted asparagus. So you can see this whole day, we're avoiding added sugar, we're avoiding processed foods, we're avoiding those processed oils, all of which are so inflammatory to the body. And so we're eating, hopefully this can come from our kitchen, but if you have to go out to lunch with your coworkers or whatever, and you get a kale salad with salmon, that's great too. Uh, I know for some of us, it's not realistic to eat every meal in our own kitchen. I recommend meal prepping when you can, or another way to get that lunch instead of having to go out is just make a little bit extra at dinner and that can become your lunch the next day. All right, I'm getting long-winded enough of me. It's time for Q&A. So just in summary, we wanna reduce chronic inflammation in your body because it's been clinically proven um, to pr reduce your chances of developing heart disease, arthritis, diabetes, dementia, IBS, cancer, autoimmune diseases. I know that's a really bold claim, but this is what the research is telling us. So I, I feel a huge calling on my life to pass this along to as many people as I can, because I truly believe that we can start to bring those numbers of heart disease down, bring the cancer numbers down. Right now, cancer, we've got a 33% chance of developing cancer. So three, uh, one out of every three people is gonna be diagnosed with cancer right now. And so if we make healthier lifestyle choices, we take better care of our body, we can help prevent so much. And with that, uh, that's my email address and my phone number. Please call me, text me, email me. I would love to hear from you, but now we're gonna do some Q and A. I think we've got some questions in there. David or Tim, do you wanna field those for me? Sure. Thank you so much, Michelle. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right, let's look at some of these questions. Um, one of them is what about silk milk, a plant-based milk? And I had a question because you mentioned one of the main inflammatory foods was almonds. And so I think a lot of people like myself use unsweetened almond milk. Yeah. So what is a good alternative then for milk? If you can't do cow's milk and maybe you should limit the amount of almond milk. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I think people are really catching on to that dairy um, is not tolerated well for themselves for whatever reason, or maybe they don't want to give it to their kids. And so thankfully, the food industry has caught on to this. So there's oat milk, there's flax milk, uh, there's cashew milk, uh, M-A-L-K milk is a really, really clean brand that has all kinds of milk alternatives uh, that I would really recommend to everyone. It has like in the almond milk, it's like almonds and Himalayan salt. In the oat milk, it's oats and Himalayan salt. Super simple, doesn't have any additives to it. Um, but yeah, walk down the milk aisle, the, the milk aisle at the grocery store and you'll see lots of uh, hemp milk is another one that's great too. Super healthy, nutrient dense. Yeah, coconut milk. That's another one. Great. Hey, Hi, on the, on the, uh, yeah, there's Chris. Yeah. Chris. You told <laughs> your joke. We used your joke uh, earlier. All right, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad we did. I got another one coming up. I'll just use that a little bit later. <laughs> I can't That's wait. I think everybody um, laughed. We couldn't verify that everybody laughed, but I feel like they did, so. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I like to pass on the dad jokes, huh? 
One question from one of our clients though is, um, any recommendations for proteins for kids other than nuts, food-based allergies or seafood allergies? So, so they've got you know, nut or seafood allergies. Are there any other proteins you can recommend for kids or adults, I would imagine as well, who um, maybe would suffer from those allergies? Do you think they mean a protein powder or like what, are, what foods are high in protein? I'd say both high in protein or what other protein alternatives could you give if they, you know, because nuts are often said to be, you know, covered in almond or whatever. And that's obviously out for somebody with yeah. nut allergy. And the same yeah. thing, you know, you know, what, what would it, what might be an alternative for protein? Yeah, meat, so meats are great when, when we're talking about whole real foods, so we've got chicken, ground beef, um, really any kind of meat based protein. And then your non meat based ones would be beans. So black beans, kidney beans, chickpeas, all great sources, even brown rice and quinoa have some protein in them. And then they make brown rice, protein powder, quinoa, protein powder. They make a beef protein. They make those collagen peptides, which is a great source of protein, all non dairy and non-fish. Thank you. Sure, eggs too. Eggs are great and they make an egg white protein. Hey Michelle, I was, I was curious about the, when you were talking about gluten and the gluten-free diet and how, you know, and I think this is an American thing versus Europe. And you had also mentioned how some foods are outlawed in different countries. Um, my wife is from the, the Netherlands and She's gluten free, very, or she's gluten sensitive. Uh -huh. But when she goes home, she'll eat bread as she used to do, and she doesn't have the same kind of issues. Yeah. And so it's kind of a test case, you know, in reality. It's kind mm -hmm. of, so it definitely seems like a chemical induced longer life on the shelf yeah. thing, right? Yeah, glyphosate is a huge problem too. So we spray the majority of our wheat with glyphosate, which is a pesticide, um, known carcinogen, unfortunately. That plays a role too, but essentially the wheat industry is a very, very uh, lucrative. And so the farmers, instead of doing crop rotation where they let three quarters of the field sit while they farm one quarter and then you know move to the next quarter while that soil rejuvenates because the, the health of the plant essentially starts with the health of the soil. So if right. we have a healthy soil and we have a healthy plant, healthy plant makes a healthy human, same with animals. Um, but what the wheat industry wanted, they wanted to be able to use the whole field every year. And so they genetically modified this wheat, which got shorter, had more gluten content and less nutrient dense. And so they farm this genetically modified wheat on the whole field every year in poor soil that doesn't have the ability to rejuvenate. And so we just have a poor quality wheat, unfortunately, which many people can't tolerate and Europe isn't doing the same. Are you are, is there a, are there particular brands in the gluten-free um, bread area? You said that you have to be careful and I guess read the sugar content and do yeah. all of those things that you've coached us yeah. through before. Um, it's it's going to be, it's kind of like I take a picture of it, send it to me and I'll give you a, a quick, you know, A through F grade on your, on your brand. Um, Udi's is okay. Um, They, so we have some local ones here that we can, we, it's called the Bradford store that um, is made gluten-free. It's actually made with almond flour. It's, it's a really great clean one. So if you have like specialty grocery stores, if you go to one that's a local made gluten-free bread, you want to take a picture of it and send it to me. Some of the more commercial ones are, are just really not great and aren't going to cause inflammation for other reasons. So right. I know that's really confusing and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to dodge your question, but I would just say it's kind of a case by case basis, depending on the bread. 
All right, what else we got? See, here's a question. Oh, sorry. Can you talk about experience you have with working with thyroid issues and anti-inflammatory corrections? Yes. So thyroid is another one of those things that and the anti-inflammatory diet or style of eating, I don't like the word diet, um, can really help correct. Um, I know that's probably a person, depending on your thyroid, whether it's hypo or hyper, we can have two different conversations. Maybe you're somewhere where sometimes it's hypo and sometimes it's hyper. Um, that's a, a third conversation, but food can certainly play a big role in helping heal that thyroid disease, depending on, on what you're suffering from that, that person, can they reach out to me? Maybe have them email me and we'll, we'll have a personal conversation about that. Okay. Just a statement as well. So during COVID, I wanted a slight expansion plan. Um, so I went from probably 215 to 234. And I've been on a keto-esque diet. I'm probably 40, 40, so 40 protein, 40 fat, 20 um, good high de uh, nutrient density, actually 15 high nutrient density vegetables and 5% crap because like once every 10 days or so, I'll eat Culver's or something. It's big here. So I'll, I'll be honest with that, but it's very rare. But in about four weeks, I went from 234 to 214 um, as far as in total weight. And that wasn't my goal. It's just to be eating healthier in a low inflammation diet. The more I've been seeing and reading and hearing and, and this discussion as well, and as well with Dr. Navarrete, you know, low inflammation can cure almost anything, even some patients who are getting some of the diseases we're talking of and even COVID. Diet is massive to your recovery. So I just wanted to throw that piece in. And I did want to ask one question. Do you know when you go out for dinner, who do you want to make sure you always take with you? Your taste buds. <laughs> there that was is. my joke, a bad joke. I just said that. David, thanks for the cursory laugh. I appreciate that. I, think I, told my <laughs> I knew it was coming. Felt yeah, exactly. It was. It was. Actually, I had a good client who said, hey, Chris, you know, I started out the year um, and, and my goal this year is really to lose 10 pounds. I only have 14 to go. <laughs> so that was, I almost... I was dying laughing. I thought it was quite funny. But another question was um, uh, that a client had was, if you are testing as pre-diabetic, which by the way, four years ago I was, that's maybe on like a six scale on the, on the 10 towards pre-diabetic, um, or maybe a four scale, but it was, it was advanced where it should be, what probability do you have in being able to lower your numbers with diets like this? Oh my gosh, 100%. You are, you have a hundred percent ability to do this. It, it's in your own hands. And so find yeah. a good, um, maybe nutrition coach or somebody to work with or read about it. There's, if you want to reach out to me, I can send you podcasts mm -hmm. and literature and point you in the right direction of how to do this, but you have a hundred percent chance of not getting diabetes. Michelle, would you agree with this? <clears throat> the most important thing that you can do is to make a decision and commit to doing something about it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Cause Everybody can give you all the information you want, but until you commit to doing it, and this is what I did for myself, just stop eating the crap. Mm -hmm. and, and it was really the key in knowing what crap was. Oh, that's fairly healthy. So that yeah. was a big thing for me. Yeah, get it out of the house. And I know yeah. people tell me, well, I have kids. Well, your kids are growing and developing and, and they need it even less than you need it because they have the opportunity to set up their systems to be really, really healthy. Or right now, you know, if you're feeding, and I know it's tough and it's hard to go backwards with kids to retrain their taste buds, but it's worth it. They will thank you for it later. So get it out of the house. Um, question, Michelle, does your body ever give you signs of inflammation after, after you've eaten, eaten by redness or red spots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you break out in hives or if you have, uh, if you're really flushed, that's a sign of inflammation. So that means your body didn't love whatever it was that you just ate. 
And so that's your own little version of a food sensitivity test. Other signs are right after eating, maybe you get a headache, um, you have stomach pain, bloating, all signs of inflammation that whatever foods that you just ate, that's not, that's not good for you. And we need to take a break from them. Cool. We have, we have about five minutes left, so we may have to do some rapid fire questions here. Okay, fire away. Um, one real quick uh, detailed one. So if we go with non-GMO flowers, would that work? A little bit better. Um, that doesn't mean there's no gluten in there though. So it'll yeah. have less, less gluten content, but not no gluten content. So it really depends on you, depends on how your body reacts to gluten. Try it. If you're still experiencing some of those symptoms that we talked about, then take it out. If not, and where can, so you, you talked about the food sensitivity tests. Mm -hmm. um, and is that something that you can do for us um, remotely or do we have to get it done locally? So I can, if you're in North Carolina, I can administer it for you. But if you want to, there's a, a company called Everly Well. You can order the test online. They'll send it to your house. You prick your own finger and finger paint with your own blood. You send it off and they send you your results. And I am happy to walk you through what those results mean and how to navigate a nutrition plan or create a nutrition plan that's going to help uh, eliminate those for a certain amount of time to heal your gut. Yeah. Just so you know, my mom is on the call as well. She's actually done that. Um, she's done the finger prick thing as well. So and she says, it's weird to prick your own finger, but it is a very cool thing to understand what some of the food sensitivities are. So Michelle's done that from Iowa to, uh, to, to North Carolina as well. Yeah. It took me about four days to get the courage to prick my finger. That's <laughs> I don't know. And then it didn't hurt at all. It was like the yeah. most non-event ever, but I was, I just looked at it every day. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Any natural way to treat headaches during detox? Oh yeah, uh, tons of water. Water is the best way. Fish oil, it's a natural anti-inflammatory that's going to help you. Um, ginger turmeric tea, really good to help with those headaches and stick with it. If you relapse and you give in to the sugar cravings or the, or the bread or whatever it is, the pasta, then you're going to just going to push the inevitable. So hang in there. And Michelle, where is, so I know you, you have, we have access to your, to your website. Uh -huh. um, I have, I have a client that's asking a question about a list of recipes that can be sent to the group. Yes. Some of your favorites maybe, or we can sure. you know, kind of guide them through the website or. Yeah. So I can either send my favorites or I can just send you the, the link to all, I think it's 250 plus recipes that we have on there that you can filter by. I need a breakfast recipe and I want it to be gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever. We have all the filters on there. So whatever you think would be most helpful, happy to share just the link to all the recipes or I can pick my favorites or both. Perfect. I think the link would be great. Okay. Do you have an opinion on the one shot keto supplement endorsed by the shark tank TV show? No, I will research it and get back to that person. <laughs> <laughs> One is, can you recommend some books on this subject or, or other magazine articles? I imagine on your website, you can have that as well. And then if we send yeah, why don't I send some resources out? The Doctor's Pharmacy podcast is amazing. Primal Blueprint podcast is great. Wheat Belly is a really great one to learn about mm -hmm. gluten and wheat and how it's changed. Um, Let's look at my Keto Clarity back here behind me is a really great book back here. The Mayo Clinic has a great magazine that comes out that's full of all kinds of um, cutting edge research, but I'll put that. Do we do a follow-up email with this? Can I? Yeah. Definitely. 
right. Michelle, do you have an opinion on tofu? Is it as bad as soybean oil? It depends on the tofu. Honestly, you want to find one, look at the ingredients. Um, if it's a really heavily processed tofu, which I know it's all processed to some degree, but they have cleaner ones with more simple ingredients. That's what you want to stick with. Uh, tempeh is actually a better alternative. It's another protein meat protein alternative. Uh, that one's a little bit better than tofu, but uh, look at the ingredients. Just simple, simple ingredients. If that person wants to reach out to me, I can send them sp some specific brands in their area. Perfect. Sorry, so the last question is if uh, food is inflammatory, why? I think it's because of sugar, as you mentioned. So very little fruit in an anti-inflammatory diet. It's just healthy nutrient-dense fruits is what you're saying. And then a single serving, is that right? Yeah, two servings a day is what I would limit to and pick the anti-inflammatory fruits. So there's a lot of fruits that have low fiber. So something like a banana, all the fibers and the peel of the banana, unless you eat the peel of the banana, which maybe you do, um, then rock on, but most of us don't. And so when we're removing the fiber, we're just getting the sugar from the fruit. And so that sugar from the banana breaks down really quickly and is gonna act as not as bad as a lollipop, but it is gonna have a spike in our blood sugar and start that inflammatory cascade. So we want the fibrous ones, like we talked about, the berries, the apples, the oranges, those. You can eat the peel, put it in a smoothie. I've done it before, you don't notice it. Really? Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that takes some courage, David. <laughs> Sounds easier than the finger prick. <laughs> right, right. Michelle, I want to thank you tremendously. This is an extremely important topic. It's not just helping us, you know, as the three of us are. Uh, it's not just helping you with, with money, but what's what money supports, and that's with health and living a great experience. So I, I don't want to live to 112 years old and be unhealthy the whole time. I'd love to do everything I can and not give both cancer, not give heart disease, you know, any kind of an edge. So these are the things we can do and make choices every day. So somebody like yourself coming in, giving, giving, up, giving us these smart ideas and way to help us live in a clear way, mentally, physically, um, you know, it's just a great push in the correct, proper direction or a great resource for our clients as well. So we 100% appreciate it. I know I speak for, for all of us on the call, myself, David, Tim, our entire teams. Um, uh, what you do is foundational for us. We really appreciate that. Thank you so Thank much. You so much and, and also, congratulations on the baby growing news. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Super cool. excited. That's going to be a healthy baby. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Super cool. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for tuning Thank in. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Bye-bye. Thank you very Bye. much. Enjoy. Have a great rest of Thanks for listening to another episode of the Retire While You Work podcast. I'm David Adams, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we discuss creative ways to manage your time and money. Any opinions are those of myself and not necessarily those of Raymond James. Expressions of opinion are as of this date and are subject to change without notice.
The information contained in these podcasts do not purport to be a complete description of the securities market or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Every investor situation is unique and you should consider your investment goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment. Prior to making an investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor about your individual situation. Any hypothetical examples are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary. Raymond James does not provide legal or tax services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional.